on the podcast this week. It's wall-to-wall station tours. I visited a small town in rural Oregon where their little low-power FM station is practically the only radio you can hear. If you're feeling down, don't look down. Turn around and turn it up to KFSL. 99.5 on the FM dial. It's a station that's staffed by just three or four volunteers, and one of them showed me around. And in College Radio Watch, Jennifer Waits took a tour of WGTB, the college station with a very interesting history on and off the air. It's there at uh, Georgetown University. That's coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Paul Reismandel. And as I say, each time I want half of your production and hosting team. I'm the other half of that host and production team. My name is Eric Klein. You say it every week. It's important. And, every, not- and the other week, I'm the other half. Yeah. You know, we tend to trade off who starts. <laughs> here, here's a little behind the scenes that no one cares about. It depends on who edits the show. Because you might because you might have your voice in the billboard, so that's why I do the intro. Sure. And then when I edit the show and my voice is in the billboard, the billboard is the part where we play you little clips and maybe tell you a little bit about what's coming up. Radio stations are important because they make me – well, anyway, that's what a billboard is. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, a little sentence. behind the scenes if you're a, a podcaster wondering, you know, uh, we didn't make this stuff up. <laughs> it's not remotely original, uh, but it's it's part of the thing. And the reason why we do it is that uh, we want a listener within uh, moments of of listening to the podcast to know what what's what they're in for and it, it's actually a principal thing Eric and I had discussions about this uh, because you know there are podcasts you might listen to and there'll be a prologue and there's a lot of chit chat and you might not actually know what the feature is for quite some time All um, right. you know and and we understand that I mean podcasts are are, are, are are supposed to be laid back and, and there are many successful podcasts that do that. But part of this is that, you know, there are going to be folks who tune in and listen for the first time, uh, or maybe it turns up on Stitcher or some app where it kind of throws uh, shows at you that, that are like what you like and, and you haven't heard before. And, and you might hear it and not know what's coming up. And you hear a little bit of our chit chat and you go, enough of these two yutzes, uh, you know, and we want to let you know, you know, you, you, there's only a little bit of us yutzes. <laughs> And we'll tell you what's coming up on the show. So coming up on the show, you'll definitely hear from Jennifer Waits with an update, College Radio Watch. Uh, That is coming up, and we want you to know that up front. Uh, The other thing is that – so Eric, you recently uh, took a trip, took a road trip, a little vacation, and uh, you you had a – had a, uh, had a close encounter. <laughs> I Yes, I drove out into eastern Oregon, which is uh, so different than, than coastal western so, Oregon. So, so for folks who are not uh, from the northwest, uh, basically we call eastern Oregon anything that's east of the Cascade Mountain Range. So uh, to, the, to the east of Portland is, are the Cascade Mountains, uh, which have uh, such well-known uh, peaks as Mount Hood. And then it, and then it changes. The climate is much more arid. Yeah, it's, it's dry, more, high desert. Dry, high desert. And so you are out there, uh, which uh, is only a, a couple hundred miles from Portland, right? Yeah. Well, it was uh, about a four four hour drive. Yeah. Uh, to the Painted Hills, which are very beautiful. And on the way back, on uh, the nineteen, I believe, I saw a sign. I saw a billboard for a low power FM radio station. 
and I got very excited. I mean, that's exciting anyway. That, yeah. the, that the low power FM has a billboard on on the highway. Yeah, to me, it's, it's fantastic. We'll, we'll have we'll have a, a, a we'll have the photo in the show notes at radiosurvivor.com for 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 the photo because I I pulled over the car. I took a picture of the uh, of the uh, of the sign, uh, and then I turned on the radio station. And I, and it was uh, for Fossil, Oregon, a small town uh, out there in eastern Oregon that um, has a low-power FM station, KFSL. And I listened to it for the seven-mile drive into town. And uh, and I liked what I heard. I heard a very funny PSA that we'll hear later on in the program that made me know that I needed to know more about this station. And it was a music music program was what I was listening to. And uh, I drove into town and and made I, I channeled Jennifer Waits. You know, uh, people mm-hmm. who listen to this program will know that Jennifer has gone on a hundred and one uh, odd station tours. Where every time she she travels, and sometimes even in her hometown, she'll visit uh, a radio station uh, just to say hello. Something that never would have occurred to me as a thing that could be done by a person. Like, not only would you maybe listen to a radio station while you're driving through the town, but you would actually knock on the mm-hmm. door and and uh, and take a photograph and meet the person who runs it. So I did that. How I, did you track it down? I we uh, we the the town is very small. Fossil. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Has about four hundred and. And the reason I ask is because you know, in many cases, I mean, an LPFM is run out of somebody's house for all yeah. intents and purposes, so it may not be so easy to find. Fossil has um has a main street and I drove through main street and, uh, parked at the library, which also happens to be the, uh, town hall, city hall and the fire department and went into the library and said hello and asked if she knew, uh, anything about the radio station and the, the nice lady, the librarian who I didn't get her name, uh, picked up the phone and called the program director of the radio station. And we made arrangements to meet right after we got lunch. That's fantastic. Yeah. So she, and it turns out that she was, you know, two blocks away at her home and she, she walked over to the high school, which is up on the top of a hill in Fossil and, and met me because there inside of the high school is a one room low power FM station, KFSL. And I got a tour. Well, let's hear that. Yeah. So, Melanie Robinson is the volunteer program director at KFSL. Well, this is KFSL, FSL, kind of standing for fossil. As you can see on the wall there, um, it was started by Mr. John Fessler, who was a lifelong radio enthusiast. He, he, you know, he was of the generation where he built his own radio in the, probably the 30s or 40s. And he worked for a radio station in Portland, and he now lives in Redmond. Oh. But when they moved to Fossil, he did all the, you know, genius stuff of, uh, you know, uh, getting our license, right? And, uh, getting the equipment set up and everything. And so anyway, so it was started on November fourth, two thousand and four, and unfortunately, our the first DJ, who's also the station manager, isn't in town right now. But mm-hmm. he does a live show, and he's like the funniest guy in the whole wide world. What's the show about? Um, oh, just he plays music. It just has all these anecdotes. Yeah, help yourself. It's a sticker. Free sticker. Um, anyway, but he was the first DJ. And then soon after, I always had wanted to get involved in radio in college, and I never did. Mm-hmm. And Anyway, so I soon started to be a DJ, and then now I'm the program director. So I do, I put, 
I'm in charge of all the music that goes on the radio. Yeah. And so we're all volunteers. We have 100 watts. But one of our little promos, I should play it for you, actually. Jim made it, but it's 100 watts of antenna melting power. I would like that very much. Spanning the airwaves from Mayville to the summit of Butte Creek Pass with 100 watts of antenna melting power. KFSL LPFM, your hometown radio station. Tell me about your tell me about your role as as a program director and the kind of music that you play. Well, I that's it's my passion. We play since we're one radio station, and you can't really it's hard to get it really any other radio station here. We're one station with a multitude of programs. So, for instance, uh, from 6.30 to 8 on weekday evenings is dinner jazz. That was kind of a risky one that I started because I wasn't sure people would be into it, but I have some people who love dinner jazz. Um, Then, let's see, I have an evening mix, which is kind of more like, um, it's more like blues and kind of jazzy stuff, like kind of, you know, sort of the stuff you think of the evening. Then I have like real true jazz, like um, Charlie Parker and... Dizzy Gillespie and you know from mm. from midnight till five in the morning because I just figure every place needs some jazz then early in the morning is like old-time country like kind of cowboy country like um uh Roy Acuff and you know Goldie Hill and old stuff then weekdays I have kind of a mix of kind of country contemporary folk music just all kinds of stuff Steve Earle and yeah. what have you like through the day and the, during the week up until dinner jazz but on the weekend I figured like on Sunday mornings it'd be great to have um, something like we have a lot of churchgoers different denominations and stuff so I have classical music Sunday mornings until like 11 because it just gives a different tone Mm -hmm. and kind of easy stuff like non-symphonic stuff I'm super into Bach and also classical guitar things that have kind of a you know a general appeal sort of and then on Sunday Sunday all day I have like old like kind of folksy stuff like the Mills Brothers stuff you'd think of like Sunday having your family over you know and so anyway so it changes and then rock and roll on Sat Friday and Saturday nights so it's like we cover all the bases and and some I have fans I have one group of fans that really love like the old t- the uh, Saturday is I call it pure country which is Johnny Cash Porter, Wagner, you know, all the kind of classic stuff. They love that, and they love the um, the classical music. So, I mean, you never know what's going to appeal to somebody. And how often do um, do people come in to do the DJing? Oh, us- it depends on the time of year and stuff. Usually um, a couple times a week. We have a new guy in town who's just done some shows, and so we're going to kind of get him hooked up regularly. So it's... Um, it just kind of depends. I do I do a live show usually, maybe once a week or something. How do you uh, How do you work with volunteers? Do you, is it like a? We have kind of a, just a core. It's kind of basically the three of us right there, the KFS team. Yeah. Um, Richard DeRost, who does all of our technical stuff. Our fans have been burning out on our transmitter, mm-hmm. so he comes in, saves the day, buys the new fans, fixes stuff, does the programming. Then Jim is the station manager, so he does the keeping us up with the um, FCC and different all the the licenses we have to pay for. Right. We have a few underwriters. We just kind of scrape by by the skin of our teeth. Then I do all the music and program stuff. So we just have we have we're a great trio. We get along really well, which is great. 
Is there any interest in the high school? There has been, but you know, really not too much because of the just the labor of preparing. I mean, we've always said, "Great, we're happy. We'd love to put stuff on from the high school." But then we gave them kind of a protocol just to give us files that are edited yeah. with the right endings on them. And so that kind of was like a little more work than they wanted to do. So it kind of comes and goes. I have stuff like uh, so I had I had one of the classes do like a little Christmas jingle. So we put that on. So, you know, we're always open for stuff, but mm -hmm. it's just a matter of time and energy. Right. Someone has to prepare it and program it and stuff. Yeah. Teach that class. That's a, that's a full-time. Yeah. There, if, if that. And John used to, John Fessler used to teach a radio class here. Oh. So, you know, that could happen again. And where does he live now? He lives in Redmond now. But without him, we would not have KFSL, so... Yeah. Melanie Robinson is uh, gesturing here to the wall where she has a little sign thumbtacked up uh, to recognize John Fessler's contribution as founder of the station in 2004. Uh, the other items that are attacked to the wall in this one-room station really tell a great story, so indulge me for a second. Uh, next to the founder's portrait on the wall, there's a copy of a short magazine article about the station from the May 2014 issue of Ruralite magazine. There's also a thumbtacked uh, printout identifying the three-person volunteer team that keeps the station going. Uh, there's a mission statement, which reads in part, KFSL aims to enrich the lives of our listeners and to make this community a better place to live, unquote. And there's also a vision statement up on the wall, uh, which reads basically that they want to someday expand the reach of the station to reach all of Wheeler County, Oregon. Uh, but perhaps most notable up on the wall there is a map and an official letter uh, commemorating KFSL's local coverage of the 2014 Pine Creek Fires, an extremely serious episode uh, there in Fossil, Oregon, where uh, back in 2014, a 30,000-acre wildfire came within 11 miles of the town. Uh, that fire was just one in a series of really catastrophic wildfires that took place in the summer of 2014 uh, up in the northwest, you might remember. It was international news, all of those fires. And, of course, there in Fossil, uh, the impacts were, well, uh, very serious. And the letter reads, it's from Incident Commander Bob Fry, and he wrote directly to uh, the staff at the station, quote, on behalf of the Northern Rockies Incident Management Team and all of the firefighters, I would like to express our sincere thanks to you for your outstanding work and support during the Pine Creek, Black Rock, Donnybrook, and Jackknife fires. Interviewing the various staff of the incident management team was a wonderful opportunity for the community to better understand both what and how we work together to put out fires. The 15 half-hour shows were enjoyed by our staff and I hope the community. Unquote. Uh, so Melanie Robinson told me that uh, KFSL, that little station there in Fossil, was uh, pretty much the only source of local information uh, during that fire season. And we've had fires around here. Oh, we've yeah. been kind of the only source of fire news. I mean, we were close to evacuation two years ago. This was the, this was the, there was a Pine Creek fire in 2014, and they always have a really great, a really strong PR person. So they'd come in for twice daily updates. Anyone around here, we don't have local television, any other local radio. We have a paper, but it covers numerous counties. So listening to KFSL was the only way to find out what was burning, who was in danger. It was really, it was really fun. They gave us a little thank you letter and stuff. So anyway, 
that is needed. It's a, yeah. yeah, it's a real practical, um, you know, um, need that we fulfill on that level. So anyway, so we have a lot of donated equipment, but we do have two computers, so we can do one for use one for um, for just you know production. Mm-hmm. And as a LPFM, you're supposed to have a certain number, certain amount of music, just like on hand, is in hard form or whatever. And we feel really lucky. I painted the wall, and we feel really lucky to have our own little room here. Yeah. And uh, and the the music's playing off of what software? We use Reduga. Okay. And so, which has worked great. And for how does how did your library come together? Oh, I beg, borrow, and try not to steal. But uh-huh. people loan me stuff. People, you know, I I I have all my personal music. I buy yeah. stuff. Spend a lot of money on it. Uh, people have loaned us and donated large chunks of their CDs. My family members, I've basically um, pirated everything they have mm-hmm. so that was one reason I thought I have a lot my parents only listen to jazz so I had a ton of jazz music so I thought okay well if I put it on in the middle of the night certainly nobody can complain <laughs> and how how do you know do you get how do you get feedback from, from people well we get we get lots of phone calls when the radio station is down it was down for a couple of weeks when our transmitter burned out the fans that's one one way. We do get people, we just had a couple in town uh, call and donate some music, donate a little bit of money. And and people just, you know, people just around town, people um, call us to put PSAs on because we put free PSAs on for local, you know, local stations. We also, our mission, as you can see, we have a mission statement and a vision statement. Our vision is to, to hook up um, Spray and Mitchell so that we would have a countywide uh, radio station, and we could do that with repeaters, like just basically, you know. And so we're 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 kind of working on that plan. So that would be great because then you could listen to what what was happening in Mitchell and Spray, you know, kind of invite people to all the stuff going on. So that's kind of how we have our underwriters are the Bank of Eastern Oregon has been really generous, super consistent. I'm not sure actually right now who is up. Fossil Mercantile might still be a, a supporter. We just sent out our yearly, um, and Fossil Fuel has been a staunch supporter. So, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so we've been lucky to have basically be able to pay for our licensing yeah. fees throughout this year to year. Really wonderful. I see that there. Um that the high school had a news show at one point. And yes, that's, that's, that was a very short-lived. Okay. Um, that was a short-lived thing, but. Yeah, because it takes it takes a lot of work and guidance. Yes, exactly. To kind of stick to it, you have to kind of have a passion for it. Yep. And this is my basically my hobby because we're all, of course, unpaid. Of course. There was a there was a there was a rumor in town when when John was still at the radio station. That he was basically making oodles of money from the station, which was very funny because, of course, he put in oodles of money to the station. And whose money? I, I don't know. Right. You know, it's it's federal. You know how federally funded. I mean, um, you know, I of right. course that doesn't exist, but you know, in people's mind. Right. And so I don't I don't know what where the money was supposedly coming from, but we do barely scrape by, pour in a little bit of our own private funding, and uh-huh. anyway. But it's super cool to have, um, those are all my albums up there. Yeah, I like I thought them. that would be good decor. And anyway, so it's really great. And it's, um, 
there's a lot of people I know who really listen to the radio all the time. Mm -hmm. Can people listen to your station on the internet? No, but we're working on that. Yeah. We're, um, we're actually, uh, my friend Jim's out of town right now, and that's mm -hmm. his project right now. Because we'd like to, we'd really like to add that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of expensive, so that's one thing. I think it's about, I don't know, I, it's a few thousand dollars, I think. To So anyway, so we're kind of, we're pondering. Because uh, we have sort of, we, we have a non-functioning website, but we'd like to do that. So we're not there yet. Yeah. But it's a dream. I, <laughs> I love the radio. Mm -hmm. It's more interesting, especially it's nice to have local, actually local yes. stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's harder and harder to get in radio. What else do you do that's... Is there any other way that you um, put on local programming? Like well, local music? You know, we have done a little bit of that. We'd like... We're actually... Um, we saved up money to get, like, remote equipment mm -hmm. because we wanted to broadcast the, like, the Bluegrass Festival here. But it, that's... Um, that was a couple years ago. We had a few thousand dollars in our coffer. And that's when we were forced to buy this new emergency broadcast unit. And so that's where all of our money went. So for now, we're still um, building up our sure. dimes, pennies and dimes. You could record it and then rebroadcast. Yeah, we've done a little bit of that. It's just, um, we've actually, we've had local musicians come in and perform live stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's been fun. I have, I've, I do a lot of, I've done a lot of, quite a few interviews so we have this local uh, Cowboy Bob, super nice, interesting guy who lives in town. He's a musician, too. We have some of his stuff on the mix. I try to put as much local mm -hmm. music on, and he does, like, cowboy poetry and stuff. But he also, he did a little, he did a little um, station ID for us. And so I try to get, I try to get, I try to enlist people to do, um, just to get different voices on the radio. So... Anyway, we used to do, I sometimes cover the local, like, um, city hall meetings or county county meetings. So we are still the radio station of record for city hall. So you go to the meeting? Yeah, record it. Actually, when John lived here, he would go record it, edit it, and we play them every week. We haven't done that since he left, just because of time, you know. Well, thanks again to Melanie Robinson for giving me a station tour of Low Power FM KFSL in Fossil, Oregon. I'm so glad you brought back that audio uh, because to me, this is quintessential Low Power FM. And what I mean by that is this is a perfect case study in what Low Power FM is for. It is so a community that does not have its own media really at all. Yeah. Like, so there's a newspaper, but I think it's a regional newspaper. Yeah. It's, it does not, not have daily. another radio station. And, and, and I, I looked it up and it, and, and according, you know, to the best research that I have, there are three radio stations that could conceivably be heard in Fossil. One of which is uh, 20 miles away in Condon, Oregon, an mm -hmm. FM station. And the other one is an AM station in Portland which just happens to have a very big signal, KPOJ, uh, 620 AM, which is a sports station. So there's, there's otherwise you know, no news or any sort of information about, yeah. about Fossil and the area on the radio. And so there's this station that, that carries local news. 
is the local news service that also uh, is participates as it must in the emergency alert system so that when there's wildfires or another emergency, here's a place that is plugged in to a nationwide network that's intended to provide this sort of information over the airwaves. This and 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 this station wouldn't be there yeah. without I have, power. I FM. have to admit to a to a to a degree of provincialism. Provincialism. When we would talk about low power FM, I I've lived in big cities all my life. It just did not really click for me. Uh, what it means to have no radio in right. in the place where you live. It, it to me low power FM has always just meant another choice of my uh my my menu of choices which has always been in every big city um more than I could even ever handle so many different choices of radio and television and newspapers all all local and to think you know it just had, it, I had to drive far outside of Portland to figure this out right and in a community this size you know one reason it may not have a radio station is because it may not be so economically feasible Meaning uh, to have a full power commercial station, right? Ostensibly, you have to have enough advertisers to buy commercials. And, and so it would, you know, it'd be difficult to run it under, under those auspices. And, you know, it's probably too small of a market, of an area to justify the spending of a larger, say, public radio network yeah. to choose to build a station. And so low power FM can do this because the cost of, of building it and the cost of operating it are low. It's not free. Right, it, it's not without its costs, but it's sufficiently low that you can you can serve a community of about four hundred people and do and and do a good job of it. I'm sure, like I'm yeah. sure, like like so many community stations, they have their moments when they're like, "How are we going to pay for this thing?" I'm going to assume a few more people also outside of town can turn that exactly. on exactly outside of the city limits. Yeah, since you can get it about twelve miles. Exactly. Around. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and, 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 and there just wouldn't be the service. And really, so this station went on the air in 2004. Is that correct? It's about right. And so that was part of the first low power FM window. So the first opportunity to get low power FM stations was in 2000. That's when you could apply. And at that point, the rules were more restrictive. So that's why you didn't see low power FM in places like Los Angeles or New York or Chicago or San Francisco or Portland or Seattle. Because uh, they had to obey the same spacing requirements as a 10 kilowatt station. And it was absurd, right? And it was, you know, we don't want to get too much into that history, but it was an act of Congress that, that forced the FCC to change the original rules. And it took an act of Congress to reverse that. We could, we could more point than a decade listeners uh, to. Uh We'll go to our show notes. Yeah, because we'll, we have we'll an have episode where we talked about this history and why, exactly. why this came about. I was, um, I was happy to learn all that stuff. But as a result, uh, out of that 2000 window, the vast majority of low-power FM stations that went on the air were in rural areas. They're either small to maybe mid-sized cities in rural areas. And so many of those rural areas really needed stations. That would serve the local area with local information, local weather, local news. And even if they don't have like a full on news department to even just hear maybe what happened at City Hall that week yeah. or or to or to have, you know, the ability to kind of keep people up to date and say, well, it can be, you know, in some ways it becomes the hub of information. Right. So everyone's got the phone number. Everyone knows where to tune. So when it's a situation like wildfires that might be, you know, dozens of miles away, people can call in and say, look, this is, you know, what's going on. And you can talk to the, to the fire chief. So even if it's not kind of uh, super professionalized, 
uh, information. It can be pretty unfiltered and pretty up to the minute. And, and again, the electricity goes out. People will still have the radio. They can go to their cars. They can go get, they can use a battery operated radio. Like it can really stay on through a lot of situations that might make things difficult. And I'm sure internet access in fossil probably isn't as good it is as it is a lot of other places and probably cell and data service isn't as good as it is yeah, a lot no, of other places. That's certainly true. You know, and it, uh, it, it, I learned also that this, if, if you want to hear music in your car while you're driving around, you know, I mean, not everyone's driving very far, but even just there are no music choices on the radio in, in this part of, of fossil. So, uh, and yet, you know, people live there, right? And there's yeah. their businesses there. I mean, so while, while, you know, uh, compared to, uh, you know, sort of the, 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 you know, North, Northwest Portland, Northwest Oregon or Seattle area or a lot of California. Yes. It seems quite rural and quite out of the way, but yet, you know, it's, it's on a highway. It's in between lots of places. People live there. Uh, you know, it is, it is, it, it, it it's is been there for it, over a hundred years, been there over a hundred years. It's rural, yeah. but it doesn't mean that folks, uh, there don't work and, and don't have information needs. Right. I mean, you know, it, that, that sort of, uh, kind of a city mindset sometimes causes us to forget about, um, you know, the, the fact that uh, being out of the way doesn't mean uh, there aren't all these needs uh, that, that people have everywhere else, which includes entertainment for Pete's sake. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, it, it's great to hear. And I love the fact that they have, you know, basically a billboard at the edge of their reception area that was right? smart. to let people coming through know, right? Because, you know, even if they're only going to hear it for uh, maybe a half an hour or so as they go, as they drive through the, the signal area, um, you know, it's great to know because, you know, if you're driving along and you see, you know, uh, some threatening looking clouds, you might want to turn it on to see if, you know, is there weather coming my way? Is there something I should know about? Uh, or maybe it causes you to go, hey, wait, maybe I'll pull over in Fossil and check it out, you know, where I might have just driven through and not paid it, paid a lot of that attention. That is 100% what happened to me. Yeah. That I stopped. I stopped in that town and had lunch because I, because of that radio station. And, and I was, um, the uh the 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 clincher for me in fact was the was the station id and how how um homey it was the the those those kids giving that station id made me realize that that was a radio station that i needed to check out and that was a community that i wanted to to know more about without just uh, zipping through it yeah so much of the time we think about community radio as an alternative and in this case it's not the alternative yeah, it right. Was, it was zero, it is they had zero the, media, and now they have the one radio station. Yeah, and yeah, and 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 that's you know, I mean, it's because you know, I've principally you know lived in cities, even just small cities, where where we had you know twelve radio stations on the air, um, and so the in that case, of course, the community station is an alternative, really, to to the commercial stations and, and the big public stations, and it's important to remember that thousands of low power FM stations are more like. KFSL than they are like a low power FM station in Seattle, like, you know, hollow earth radio, or they like a low power FM station now in Chicago, like a Chicago independent radio project. Those are actually those urban ones are the outliers. They didn't exist 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. They only exist because the law changed and they got put on the air. Uh, we're able to, to get licenses in 2013, but in this interim thousands 
of radio stations have gone on the air in lots of small towns and medium-sized communities all over the country where either they are have become really in many ways the principal service or are, you know, one of only a few stations. So they're not really an alternative in so much as that they are one of a few choices um, bringing – you know, in so many cases, maybe they do bring progressive, politically progressive views, which is what is often associated with community radio, or they bring some more eclectic music. But in many cases, they're just bringing fundamental service and maybe, you know, in, in, in these towns, still the only station where there's human beings there most of the time. Because there might be a station that is mostly automated, even if it if it's commercial and, 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 and is on all the time. They may not have a staff, whereas, you know, a station like FSL probably has staff there a good portion of the time. Real human beings making real radio. Uh, every once in a while. It seems like since there's – it looks like there's three – main volunteers right now at right. KFSL. So those those individuals uh, do have their shows. So but the can, librarian was able to get all of the yeah. program director on the phone. And, and you know, one of the things that I was really excited about there at KFSL was that the station is housed in the high school. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, I because of the work of Jennifer Waits, uh, that I've I've I was not excited about high school radio uh, prior to being uh, familiarized with with what Jennifer has been doing uh, with all of her free time reporting on college radio and high school radio and to and that's an opportunity that uh, is just waiting to be to be explored there in Fossil where um, I know that 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 right now with the three person volunteer staff uh, they're not prepared to to avail of themselves of that opportunity but i i'm excited i it i want it just to takes happen. like one motivated teacher to kind of right. help make that connection uh, of course i'm sure they'd be doing it as a volunteer they would it be would doing it above and beyond be volunteer yeah. right but it's there and it's it's uh it's it's a it's a seed yeah. That's waiting to be planted. And they're right there inside the high school. So it's very exciting. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for bringing that report. And, and there are stations like this that we should know about, that, that that you've listened to, that you know about, or maybe you're involved in, or, or yeah. you, you volunteer. I mean, we, we'd love to know. Fossil's radio station is not on the internet. They're, they don't have a website, and they don't have streaming. And so the only way I knew about this station was by driving through town. So, so we'd love to more. hear about it. And you can tell us about it or maybe you go do an interview. Uh, so, I mean, Eric, you just recorded this on the voice app, voice memo app on your phone. That's right. I did, didn't bring my radio gear with me on this trip. You were on but vacation. I, but I brought my phone. Yeah. So uh, all of that will work because what's important is that we get the story and people, I think it, it adds to the rich, colorful uh, pa- uh, sort of tapestry that is great radio that it, that you know we all have an archetype in our heads and an archetype of course is true and yet it's it's not it's not sufficient it's not the only archetype for how community radio and great radio is done all around the country never mind all around the world so we'd love to hear about more uh if you can direct us tell us if you want to talk to sony or report on it um any information you give us is, is just fantastic absolutely yeah. so Send us an email uh, to podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Yeah, you can hear in this recording that I made that uh, every once in a while I had to take a photograph with the very same phone. <laughs> and so I pull, I pull away from, from – although the room is so small that maybe you can't even tell. But yeah, I, I was reporting with this device in, in both visual and audio media simultaneously. Uh, iPhones are, are truly – a wonder. And yeah. so you can see those pictures as well. Um, and you can use your Android phone too. That's right. I'm not, <laughs> I am not shilling for one particular uh, c- 
corporation in this case. Well, we're going to hear from Jennifer Waits in just a moment with her College Radio Watch segment. Uh, we do want to ask that um, if you're enjoying the program or you listen at all regularly, that you do subscribe. So, you know, whatever app you use, you know, maybe it's the podcast app on, on your iOS device or maybe it's Pocket Cast or it's Overcast, um, that you go ahead and subscribe so you get the show every single week when it comes out. Uh, there's no missing an episode. Um, we think that that's, uh, it gives a, a hand. And of course, if you, if you happen to use iTunes, if you use iOS devices, if you go ahead and uh, subscribe in iTunes, that helps a lot too. It basically tells iTunes, hey, people are listening to this show and they like it. Why, uh, why, why is Paul uh, shilling for Apple again? It's because the iTunes platform still remains the dominant, the dominant way that people hear these types right. of Right, so if you could give us a review there. And of course now um, we are available in Google Play. And so you could give us a review there and listen and subscribe there if you use the Google Play app on Maybe your Android device. Maybe 2017 will be different for podcasts. Maybe. Yeah. And then, you know, so, I mean, I, I think I was just thinking to myself, we need to sort of update the uh, the links because uh, new services keep coming online where you can listen to podcasts. Uh, so wherever you use it, if you would give us a review, also that helps people find the show and helps us spread the word, I hope, about, uh, about great radio. That said... Thank you very much. And uh, next up, we're going to hear from Jennifer Waits with College Radio Watch. Jennifer, welcome to Radio Survivor, College Radio Watch. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah. So you you, you took a big uh, East Coast trip, uh, and you're 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 still writing up all those station tours that you squeezed in. And yes, uh, we're going to talk about Georgetown's College Radio Station. What what are what do they call that station? Yes, it's at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C., and it goes by either Georgetown Radio or WGTB. And WGTB, they were actually the call letters for a formerly FM station, which is no longer on the Georgetown campus, but now it's an online-only station. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that FM station uh, in our conversation, but let's talk about this the online station that exists. Uh, yeah. What stands out? Um, so I, I visited the station in February during my whirlwind East Coast trip, and, and you might remember I was on the East Coast um, primarily because I was going to a conference at the Library of Congress in D.C., so when I was in D.C., I wanted to see a collection of stations, and we talked about visiting the Catholic University station a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and later that di- later that same day, I went to visit Georgetown, kind of in the evening, going into the night. Um, the visit ended sort of dramatically. Uh, this really big storm rolled in towards the end of my conversation with the general manager, and and I was joking about tornadoes, and it actually turned out it was a tornado watch. <laughs> so right, there's some so, there's some controversy as to whether or not Washington D.C. is subject to tornadoes. Uh, yes, and apparently well, there, it kind of is. It kind of yeah. There was a tornado watch, and there was thunder and lightning, and I was on I think the fourth floor of this old building, and the windows were rattling, and so I I just want people to know the. The links I go to to visit stations, <laughs> I put my life in danger. But it sounds like it was a nice place to shelter from the weather. Yeah, I mean, as, as is often the case, um, I was meeting with somebody, Adrian Taylor, the general manager, and she's a student at Georgetown, and she was super passionate about radio and was happy to 
spend all the time in the world talking about the station. So that was nice for me because I was too afraid to leave, actually. So <laughs> I love I'm that. glad we were able to just hang out and, and talk about the station. Um, it's got sort of a couple locations. Uh, when I arrived on campus, we met in the student center, the Levy Student Center at Georgetown. And the radio station actually has... There, so it has a studio space and it has a window overlooking, I guess you would call it a food court. So an area where people are eating and can acquire food. And so from the radio studio, you can look out and see students, um, which is great. It, it adds more visibility to a radio station when you have a window to the world, so to speak. And then it's next to a performance space that they call Bulldog Alley. And it's this nice space where, you know, people can book bands and have performances there. So I thought it was neat that the station had was was in sort of that location and it meant that they could do shows in that space and use the station even as a green room when performers come in. So it's kind of a nice synergy. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, I'm contrasting it with um, the last station tour that you and I discussed with at the, at the Catholic University because... Um, that was uh, extremely scrappy. They were sort of uh, tucked away. Uh, they had very. Um, they had no music library to speak of, from what I remember. There was uh, the facilities were were extremely humble, and there uh, at Georgetown, uh, from what I could see, it was um, also an online only station. But really, legitimately, um, the facilities were not lacking. There's. It looked really nice. Well, it's still pretty humble, um, but yeah, I mean, it was not a huge space. Mm. Um, their record lib- They have a record library of physical music, but it's not organized, so if you wanted to play p- physical music, you kind of had to go on a treasure hunt um, to find out what was there. Yeah. Um, and actually, when I arrived, I-, I was forewarned that they had just had a crisis um, yes, which was Ugh. later referred to me as the spill, and somebody during their show Guys. did something you're not supposed to do. Guys, which is, if anybody's listening, don't do this. <laughs> I know. Is, there are clearly signs around the station saying don't bring any food or liquid into the studio, and somebody did and spilled a Nowhere soda. Nowhere near the board. Yeah, I mean, like maybe you're gonna fudge the rules a little bit, but just just keep. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's like the number <laughs> it's the number one rule and the number one nightmare. Somebody spilled a soda on the board and God. so things were sort of out of commission. Um Adrian told me that she had actually done her show I think a day or two before my visit and, and things sort of worked, but I think the monitors weren't working and there were a bunch of things that were out of whack and so So the whole thing got shut down by a soda. Yeah. And mm. And they could hear the whole incident in the archives, which I think was pretty sad and brutal. So so that had just happened. So when I arrived, there were, um, I think it was maybe some outside contractors even were there cleaning up the board. And it was functional by the time I left. So they were just kind of wrapping up. So all is well. Um, every, <laughs> everything worked out. But it's a, a cautionary tale that... Every station should keep in mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so so there's still some scrappy elements. You know, you have um, 
incidents like that happening, which can happen anywhere. Right. So we're we talking mostly music programming. Uh, they have music programming. They also have uh, quite a bit of sports programming. In fact, right. they have a separate sports stream that broadcasts games. Um, and they have some sports shows that I think are on the regular stream as well. Um, there are around 63 different programs when I visited with around 123 DJs, which is quite a few. And then they had a waiting list of about 40 shows. So people who are waiting for approval. Um, and, you know, I never heard this before, but Adrian was telling me that they actually used to have more DJs and shows, but they made a change. So they used to have one hour shows and they changed, um, the schedule. So it's two hour shows now because it was actually a bit unmanageable when they had around 150 DJs. So, they decided to reduce the number of DJs, make it a little more competitive, have a waiting list. And in turn, um, they were telling me that the quality of programming seems to have improved too. So it's easier to deal with. I can imagine more people show up for their shifts. That's like, that's my assumption. Yeah. So um, they also do twice yearly anonymous show reviews, which I thought was pretty interesting. So, they they take care in their programming and make sure that people are getting feedback. Um, so that was really cool to hear. And then, so so it's a pretty big DJ roster. And then in addition to that, they have people working on the station's blog, which is called The Rotation. And the editors for the blog, the music editors, uh, sort of function as music directors for the station too. So they handle the music submissions, review the records, and are deciding what gets added to the library. Yeah, so it sounds like a very uh, well-run online uh, student, student-powered student college radio station, which is, yeah. which is very nice. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm very curious because we teased earlier, we were going to talk about the FM station, which um, I, I got, I, you, you, you have some nice links in your show notes or not in the show notes. You have some nice links in your station tour that you wrote up for Radio Survivor, and I got I went down the rabbit hole of um, the history of this station. It was really fascinating. It was yeah. clearly um, an extremely uh, politically radical, you know, sort of the prototypical like '70s college radio. Like if if people have an image in their mind of uh, of college radio in the 1970s, it sounds like WGTB there in Georgetown in Washington DC that that might be part of the story yeah it it had a lot of passionate fans there were a lot of passionate fans of the station yeah Um, freeform hippie music (laughs) (laughs) lots of stuff um I'm gonna I'm gonna go back in time a little bit though to kind of set up how, how they got there um so and as you know I like to go back to the earliest history that I can dig up um it sounds like radio may have started on campus in 1941 with a carrier current station, which all of you should know a ton about if you listened to last week's podcast. So that was called Georgetown Broadcasting System, and it was a campus-only AM carrier current station. Uh, and the lore is that a Catholic priest started it to broadcast Latin mass to shut-ins. Because <laughs> Georgetown University is a Catholic university so that was the lore but i think 
the carrier current station did a lot more than that. How many shut-ins lived on campus? That's I don't know. Um, <laughs> people who did, did a lot. People who slept in. I don't know. Okay. But you know, there were students involved too, so it wasn't just um, Latin Mass. So there was a carrier current station from starting around 1941, and then in 1960 they got an FM license. 90.1 FM in DC and and that station quickly became known for its liberal programming. Right. So it sounds, it sounds like there was a bit of a takeover uh jet, that that the boomers uh grabbed a hold of this uh piece of piece of radio property and really uh really built something unique. Yeah. Oh yeah, pretty amazing. So there was Ra- you know, radical news and and freeform Freeform music, albums. Left, yeah, left-wing material, um, feminist programs. Right. It had a pioneering gay talk show called Friends, which later moved to a Pacifica station in D.C. And, you know, so that was one of the early gay talk shows. Um, and I think I think you might even be able to find more information about it in the Pacifica archives. Um, they had anti-war programming, alternative music, punk rock, um, so this was kind of a big deal in DC and then, um, and, and probably controversial, you know, for the administrators. Yeah. According to the article that, that you linked to it, it sounds, I mean, it's, it, it wasn't just, uh, politely left wing. It was, it was extremely radical and anti-authoritarian Yeah, in, in every sentence they spoke. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so in 1979, the school actually, I guess they sold it. They sold said, the station. I the think the article for a, said that first they gave it away. Yeah, I think they sold it for a dollar. Yeah. So um, they essentially donated the station. Yeah. The 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 president of the university uh, washed his hands, and what he, he called it, he called the station uh, the great animal that doesn't belong in the zoo. Uh yes. According to the according to the article. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about about that history. I mean, it just sounds amazing. Yeah, possibly. Um, possibly we should rope. We should rope Matthew Lassar, radio historian, into the discussion because uh, something something tells me deep down in my gut that um, that that the Pacifica affiliate there in Washington, D.C. probably has a lot of uh, deep ties to, to this college station, which is, again, one of the one of the themes of Radio Survivor, uh, the how important college radio has been to how we think of radio. Right. The secret, exactly. The secret history. So they donated um, the license in 1979 to the University of District Columbia, and then and they ran a jazz station for a while, and then they later sold the station in 1997 to C-SPAN, um, which is also kind of interesting I this week C-SPAN has been dominating my television viewing and and so I hadn't really thought much about C-SPAN um but was curious to see what their radio station was all about and in addition to airing material from Congress and um various talk shows they also have some interesting archives including presidential yeah. material so so it's nice that C-SPAN is on the air but if yeah, we could have so it, our way, we would want uh, WGTB to also <laughs> have its space. I know. If only we could have it all. So 
so that was the sort of the history of the FM license at Georgetown. Um, after that went away, students went back to Carrier Current to broadcast on campus, and then um, and then they moved to Leaky Cable, which yeah. we also talked about last week. Right. So they were doing a little bit of campus only FM, and then they started um, streaming, doing online streaming in two thousand and one. That's so. An- radio- oh, see now, now I wonder. Uh, this this is not something I know that you dug into, but it, it's I want to know more about that. Um, I'm sort of uh, obsessed with the story of of people losing their station, right, and, and what they do as a result. So I that's uh, but that's well, a, I, another yeah. Thing. I know they I know they fought back. People fought back, and there was a petition to deny that was. Um, submitted to the FCC in regard to the license sale. So there was, but, but yeah, I, I did not dig into all of the documents, but there was definitely a fight and, and this would be a very interesting story to look into. Um, there's a, a short documentary that I include a link to in my post that, that gives kind of a condensed history of the station. That's also worth taking a look at. Um, but yeah, so as always, you know, Every college radio station has a fascinating history. Yeah. So, so how did we get from from the the FM station, the radical FM station being shut down, to um, to this student powered online station? And um, do the people, do the do the students at the online station have any um, connection to that FM history, the WGTB? Legacy. Oh well, they're they're definitely aware of it, um, and and the story is told on their website. And I think there was a campus exhibit a number of years back. Um, there are flyers on the wall of the station from the past, so the history is is everywhere, and and people are aware of that. Adrian told me it would be nice to have FM, but that the students there don't have cars. So hmm. that would be the, the main place people would listen to FM. Yeah. Ain't got no car, ain't got no radio. Yeah. Which is, it's actually an interesting contrast because when I was at Catholic university that morning, um, I saw lots of cars on campus and, right. and was told that students were interested in FM and that they do listen in their cars. So it was kind of interesting to see two different schools in DC and one had, sort of a car culture and the other didn't. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Cars are still a very vital part of the radio equation, as it turns out. Um, so so campus radio at, or college radio at Georgetown is still obviously thriving if you have more than 100 students participating and in all these different, um, you know, online they're participating in the radio station. They're writing for the blog. They also put on events. Um, they've hosted a number of kind of big musical acts over the years. There's a long legacy of that at Georgetown, not just at the radio station. In fact, there was a list on the wall of the station of various bands that had come to Georgetown over the years, and it was really impressive. Um, some of the recent ones have been bands like 21 pilots and cults and best coast. Um, and so, yeah, they've got their, their fingers on the pulse of a lot of different things. Um, the station also does live DJ. They provide live DJ services. Mm. So like maybe a club needs 
uh, a campus club might need somebody to come and do the music for a dance or a prom or what do you call it in college? Like, you know, a party. Um, <laughs> and they can hire people from the Georgetown station to come in and, and play music or provide technical expertise. That's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just got nostalgic. I just got <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and like on many campuses, it sounds like the station is sort of this oasis for people who are creative or might be a little bit different from the mainstream campus culture. Um, it may be a place where I, I would imagine it's a place where people are pretty serious about their studies. Um, and, sure. and, um, Adrienne was telling me she's met people she never would have met at Georgetown through the station, that it's like this place that draws people from lots of different majors, lots of different schools, and lots of different um, schools on campus. And that it's, uh, you know, almost like this creative hub. So, so yeah, that always gives me a warm, warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, because that radio brings people together. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for sharing your tour of WGTB. That's what they still call it, even though now they're an internet station. Yeah, they either call it Georgetown Radio or WGTB. So either works just fine. Cool. Well, uh, see you next week. All righty. Thanks. Thanks, as always, to Jennifer for keeping us up to date with, with the, the wide, wide, wide world of college radio. I think college if, and high school radio. If there's a theme here, right, that of today's show in particular, but our show in general, is that radio, broadcast radio, but all types of radio, are much, is much broader and much more diverse than I think any of us realize much of the time, including those of us who, who, like me, who've been studying and nerding out and geeking out on radio for 30 plus years. Constantly, you find new stations, new approaches, new personalities that are just another data point in, 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 in the spectrum that, that you, that you don't, you can't always take in. Right. Like there just is no wide angle lens big enough to kind of take in the scope of this universe. And I and I and I, and I appreciate being reminded because it just makes me stand back and wonder. It, this was a fun show, as always. Absolutely. So thanks for bringing that uh to us, uh, we'd love to bring this to more people. We'd love to bring the Radio Survivor podcast as as a radio show it is to more stations. And we could use your help at more stations, I think, to stations to begin with <laughs> to, to start airing right. the show. Well, yeah, we should say that if you are a low-power FM station and you want to air this uh, podcast as it currently exists, you have our permission. We yeah. would love it. Drop us a line. you can fit it into your schedule yeah. w- 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 with the fact that sometimes it's 45 minutes and sometimes it's 75 minutes, that's okay with us. Drop us a line. We'd love to know yeah. about it. Uh, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. For our own enjoyment, not for any sort of uh, accounting practices. Right. And, and also, but for the, for the fact that we know that uh, for most stations, they need to be kind of a, a, a strict format of, of probably 29 minutes or, or 58 minutes, 59 minutes, uh, you know, which means uh, more editing or in some cases adding things yeah. and then making sure that there is, you know, no weeks off. 
right? Because, you know, you commit to that time, uh, you need to have a program. Yeah, so preparing, so preparing rebroadcasts. Uh, or, yeah, or, or just making sure we we always have something fresh every yeah. week. <laughs> you know, it's that extra little bit of effort and time Radio above production. what we do, along with uh, making sure it's distributed reliably, right? We would need to make sure that no station doesn't get the feed, uh, which requires that we, that we work with uh, a, a provider that can make sure of that uh, for our um, – for the folks who take the show. So we could use your help and that's financial help is really what we need. Um, if you could uh, pledge a little bit of money every single month to help us keep producing the show, we'd really appreciate it. Um, it could be $1, $5, $10. Uh, every little bit helps. And, and when we can, Predict it when we know it's coming. It helps us to plan and helps us to make these decisions about dedicating the resources and effort needed to take this show uh, really to to low power FM college community stations all over the country or all over the world. In fact, because um, the whole point is we, we 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 know we can't charge them. We know that the stations, most of the stations that would air the program, are going to be piling all of their money into keeping the station on the air. They don't have money to pay for an external program to, to pay for a syndicated right. program. But we've heard from a lot of stations that would like to air the program and could slot it in if it were in, in that kind of format. So help us make that happen. Go to radiosurvivor.com slash support and help us out. Yeah. Thanks so much. Actually, you know, I wanted to reach out to the listener brain trust. If you know, a lot of the way Patreon functions is that there are supposed to be certain uh, levels of rewards Right. And uh, we here at Radio Survivor, both for philosophical reasons, but also practical, have never really come up with appropriate uh, enticements. That's true. It's true. But partly because like, ugh, we're not going it, to. It's mostly practical. Like, do you really need a T-shirt? And would you. Well, you know, and I'll tell you, I mean, I think we can just be honest. The reason there isn't a T-shirt, right, is that we have to make them first. Right. Right. And so we're and busy so, making radio in our free time. Well, where's the money going to come from? Right. Right. So, <laughs> so, so some, some Patreon campaigns, uh, give away the swag and we're, we're not really, but we'd be glad to, if there were real interest, yeah. you know, but, but there are we, other, there are other ways as well. Access is mm-hmm. another one that I think about where, where some of sometimes for a certain level of support, um, people are, are granted more access. Yeah. To, we toyed around with previews or, uh, or live special stream. segments. There wasn't, didn't seem to be a lot of interest. Right. I mean, and that's fine. Sometimes you, you, you like you can uh, tune into the live stream. And so mm-hmm. you would hear the, uh, warts and all. Yeah. You would hear Paul and I, uh, talking about the podcast before we recorded the podcast or talking about <laughs> what we had just done and how we were going to redo it, uh, because we didn't like the last one. I, that's not necessarily the, the right. Idea. Yeah, we, we, yeah. What would you like? What would what would be an added incentive for you, and or and what you think would be an added incentive for other people mm-hmm. uh, who who are kind of into what we do? Because we understand uh, as folks who who are into community radio and and sort of uh, grassroots internet radio and all, and, and and sort of grassroots podcasting, uh, everyone is 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 stretching themselves usually right to to do these things. Which is even if people do it for a living, they're often uh, a lot of that time is volunteer really right you know everyone is kind of stretched so we understand that we we, we you know if, if someone were going to go do a kind of market analysis and say well i'm going to make money on a podcast and so i'm looking for a market in which uh to begin a podcast i'm make money probably community radio and community podcasting is not that market we good get thing it. we're not that person <laughs> right so that's not what we're asking for what we're asking for is is basically the support to make it sustainable what is that market paul sorry that's that's a different show oh man Sports. Sports. <laughs> Sports.
sports, uh, you know, TV, real mysteries, okay. uh, true crime, true crime seems to be big. Uh, pop, well, pop culture. No, you talk about the Marvel universe. I on, mean, on the podcast, uh, it's sort of a rabbit hole. I'm willing to go down. I don't know if you really want me to go down this rabbit hole. Different episode, but the I mean, uh, you know, the key is right. I mean, just like is with anything in sort of uh, business or entertainment. I mean, you can guess, but it may or may not work. Beer. Talk about beer. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, basically, I mean, the idea would be is you have to figure out. Well, how are you going to make money? So is it going to be people? So so there are definitely podcasts that do very well with Patreon. Right, because uh, they have a big enough sort of listenership who find what they do to be sufficiently interesting and different, right, and and otherwise hard to find and willing to support at a level that allows them to go on. Um, There's a show called the Daily Tech News Podcast, I think it's called, that does very well. Now, it's a guy who used to be on tech TV. He used to be a podcaster with the Twit Network. So he already had kind of an audience and what he does, you know, but who knew him and trusted him and really want his show to exist. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah. You know, and there are other sort of kind of shows that might have, that, that might serve a niche, but it's a big niche. Right, and we realize our niche is, is relatively small. Uh, we know that our that the listenership for Radio Survivor isn't terrifically smaller or bigger than other show other the few other podcasts that are uh, oriented towards uh, radio. Period. <laughs> Never mind whether it's non commercial or commercial or public radio. So and we know this, right? So so we're, none of us laboring under illusions. Uh, and then there are shows where they figure out, well, you know, um, if you're going to get a bigger audience, and you can sell ads, you know. And if you, you know, sort of like how industry journals work, if you have a very defined, uh, if you have a very defined listenership and audience that you know is in the market for a particular thing, you can probably sell out to them with, with a smaller listenership. It's the concept of Radio World, right? right? Which is a magazine, a newspaper about radio. If you read Radio World, most of the advertisements are for things like transmitters right. and gear and stuff. So these are things that are very expensive. Relatively small markets, and if you want to get to those folks, you advertise in Radio World, and that's what keeps Radio World in business. Um, you know, we could advertise transmitters and things like that, but it's a little, it, it's a little different. Because I don't think KFSL has a budget for any. They have that, a transmitter so already, and and, and, and they're and, not in the market for a new one. Yeah, yeah so it, it, I think that's part of it. Um, so it's harder for us to 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 kind of follow that model. And then if you can, you know, begin to get thirty thousand people or more downloading each episode of your podcast. Well, then sort of the general, you know, merchandise, you know, the direct response advertisers, that's when, you know, loot crate, right. When you can start selling underwear and chocolate covered berries and flowers and those kinds of things, it starts being, you start having enough listeners who will respond to that sort of call to make it worth the while of the advertiser below that. It just, it isn't right. And as we talked a little bit, um, uh, probably near, not quite a year ago, but maybe nine months ago with, uh, Julie Sabatier, Mm-hmm. Who had the rendered, uh, previously known as Destination DIY podcast, and 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 her listenership significantly bigger than ours, but still small enough that it was difficult for her to fund it with advertising. Yeah. So you know. So anyway, that's just my long way of saying we could use your help. <laughs> you know, and and you know, and, and any help you can get to help grow the audience. Uh, and 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 we hope that 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 yeah, is we haven't in, made that pitch in a long time. Yeah. If you know somebody who would like this show. Uh, tell them about it. Yeah, write about or write about it on your blog or write about it on Facebook or tweet yeah, about it tweet if you would. It. You know, and 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 the way we say it, we hope that's worth 
we hope it's worth your effort. We hope it's it's in your best interest too, right? Um, we're not threatening to 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 shut down the show, right? I'm not sitting here going, oh, forget it, blah. We know we, as I've said before, uh, every single listener is super great. We love having you listen to the yeah. show, and we right now are committed to continuing to. Uh, to produce it. And as long as I think there are people who want to hear it, we want to continue to produce it. But, you know, uh, the more people, the better and the easy and the more likely it is to make this a sustainable operation or make it a better operation where yeah. we, where we could do more reporting. We could do more, uh, you know, instead of just Eric happened to be on vacation and pulled over that day, you know, it could be much more systematic and we could be, you know, we could do something that sounds, uh, you know, that is more like reply all. For radio, right, and a little less of uh, sort of just uh, you know what is often a few few of us uh, talking. It would certainly be nice uh, to provide somebody else somewhere else in the country uh, compensation for their time to drive out to the other. Yeah, low power FM to be station. Able to have like folks in the field, uh, you know, and 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 to pay them uh, a fair wage to do so yeah. it would just be fantastic. Not to mention having more listeners would mean maybe uh, somewhere out there there would be an individual who would get excited about right. doing it as a volunteer, and we'd be happy to to be connected with them. But they haven't they haven't heard our show yet. Where I'm I'm doing parallel pitches. Yeah, right. One Absolutely. for for monetary support, but the other for uh, just spreading the word about. Well, I mean, I mean, I do. think I mean this is episode fifty two. <gasps> All right, and and we took a few weeks off here and there, so it's been a little bit more than a year on the air, and we re- we really mostly in December. We did the quarterly report, and we're not really doing the annual report, I don't think. But I but I think it's a, we could take this moment to, at the end of the show, right? So if people are tired, <laughs> but I'm tired of hearing us make the pitch, they can they can they can stop listening. That's the wonderful thing about podcasts. But we hope you want to because I think the case I want to make here is not really, you know, not really the pitch. It's like I, I the reason why I do this work. Is because I like to think that we are contributing to the record here. Mm. And I know Jennifer does that. Absolutely. That so not only are we supporting radio we like by we hope giving some some tips, um, some attaboys to to and atta girls and 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 such to to folks who are broadcast and exposing more people to it. But also there's some documentation of what exists and what has existed. Yeah. And as and, and as you know, we talked last week, as I talked last week with Jennifer about carrier current, and she talked a little bit about how little there is, how little documentation, and how you're going on very spare documents. And and I can't remember if she said in the interview or not, because she definitely told me, I think she told me off mic, that the she she in some of these books and records, she found in one library that she had to get through interlibrary loan. There was one copy period in the United States. And now she's taken that information and she's put it in a podcast. It'll probably turn up in com, and is now planted a seed, right, that it can grow, that this information is now in more places. More people will understand this. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is the research. This is like, you know, it's historical research on the one hand, but in a way we're recording things happening now that becomes a historical record down the road that if for some reason uh, KFSL would, were to go away and I hope it never does, there would be someone who would say, no, but, but there's this record. Right. And, and I hope we'll, you know, at some point we'll put these shows into the internet archive so that somebody else is holding on to them. And there's a chance that these shows will live on and a researcher, a historian, Somebody looking at cultural history, political history, community history can use what we've done beyond this time we've made it 
Uh, you don't always know the impact. You don't always know the import of what you do and what, what, it, it, what it will save for the future. But I think that's at least part of what we do. And, and, and it's fantastic to be able to do it because in the past, somebody would have maybe recorded interviews and it would have been on tapes. And they might have played them on the air in some station and then they're going to be in a basement or they're going to be in a closet and they're going to be in a box. And it's not that people don't care. It's a matter of it served its use and then and then it goes on. And then after that listening, it's lost or it's the case, you know, if we talk about many tapes recorded at places like Pacifica in the 1950s and 60s, the tape gets reused because tape was so gosh darn expensive <laughs> right. and you, you did not know at the time – what the later historical uh, impact would be of that event that, that you covered. And, and I think the same is thing here, except we have this great, wonderful opportunity to put it, to set it free, to automatically yeah. distribute it to hundreds and hundreds of people every week. It reminds um, me also of the Fantagraphics uh, comics collections of, uh, of the early 20th century and late 19th century uh, graphic mm-hmm. uh, fiction comics that literally are, um, uh, the the only reason these the copies exist is because someone saved an, one individual newspaper right. and put it away. Because they were ephemeral and no yeah. one thought it was important. Um, and yet it 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 presents a puzzle piece in sort of figuring out this broader picture of of the culture and and and, and America's history at the time. And you know I I don't I don't want to sit there and say that this is grave import of what we're doing, but but I like to think it contributes. It's, it's definitely one piece. of the reasons why. I'm willing to do it. Why well, I'm willing to spend my time for which, you know, neither you nor I, we're not, we're not, you know, uh, we, we derive no income from this. <laughs> we do it, uh, for the simple love of it and for the hope that we're contributing. This is our contribute contribution, really, I think, uh, to, to, to radio, to community radio, um, and into this. And we know that, that that's what, that's what else what right. community radio is. That's what people do. On the flip side, I also continue to do the work, uh, because it connects me to the community. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I would have driven right through Fossil without having a conversation with a very interesting uh, new friend, somebody that I, you know, I met someone through radio, and that's not the first time uh, since we started this work that I've made a friend uh, because I, um, because I made another a choice to renew my membership in the community of, of people who care about radio, uh, something that I'd almost let go of uh, after after leaving my first radio station. That's and I think that's really vitally important and that that's an important reminder. And you've done a lot of that work of of going out and 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 going to stations and and meeting people since this has started. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it it does. It allows and I think that's why I do it because I'm not currently at a station. I don't currently a DJ or volunteer. And yet this allows me to have that connection which is really important to me because I I really value radio people and they're a lot of fun to get to know and they're a lot of fun to correspond with if they're not in your town uh you know it it it, it, it the the fringe benefits of of doing radio survivor both the website and the uh and the podcast are are greatly enriching uh to my life and we hope that that it, we hope we're enriching your life in some way as well we know it's just a podcast right you know I'm, let's not make it out to be more than what it is but uh, we hope that that you that you enjoy it and that it does add something to your life. And and you know we, we say it every week, but we really mean it. Uh, let us know what you want to hear about. Let us know what you'd like us to tackle. What what you'd like to learn more about, and we'll try. 
we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and we'll make that shot. We'll make that attempt, and we'll if we don't know, if we can't figure it out, we'll call someone who does and ask them to to help out with that. Um, so send us that email to podcast at radiosurvivor.com. But yeah, if you could give us that help, tell somebody about it. Post it to Facebook, post it to social media. Or maybe send an email to somebody you think you would like it. Write a letter to the editor. Write a letter to the editor. Uh, however, you might let someone know that this could be a podcast they'd enjoy. We'd really appreciate it. But, you know, we appreciate that you've taken the time to listen. You've taken that hour or hour and a half. I don't actually know how long this show is going to be today. <laughs> uh, looking at because we don't know what's going to quite be edited out. But however much time you spent with us today, we really appreciate it. Like that is valuable, valuable time that you spent, and um, you know it's 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 just absolutely fantastic that you choose to spend it with us. Well said. Thanks, thanks for listening, everybody. See you, see you next time. <laughs>